Hi guys and welcome to the Shrewsbury Biscuit Podcast. We're back! Absolutely, really, really chuffed to be back. It's been a great couple of months off recharging my batteries, looking at things and looking at how we can change things around. And one of the ways we're changing things is we're creating uh, 10 episode seasons rather than releasing a podcast every Monday forever for eternity while it burns me out. Right? Okay, that's how we're going to do things now. And we're starting off with season alpha. That's a very strange way to start things, but we've done 400 plus episodes of the Shoes of Biscuit. It seemed a bit weird to go to season one after 400 episodes. So season alpha it is. This is episode one, and this is Rob Gibson, executive chef. Uh, we met at Shrewsbury Food Festival in the summer. We had a little bit of a chat, and I realised this guy's absolutely, he's really fantastic, great to speak to. Um, but then, you know, by the time we come to a point of us actually sitting down and having a chat, I was winding things down with the old format of the biscuit. Um, and when we finished the biscuit, actually, uh, Rob invited me to a pop-up he was having at the new inn at Hookergate, Um and it was fantastic. Uh, me and my wife went. We ate some fantastic food. I ate fish. I don't eat fish normally, but <laughs> but I ate fish, and it was actually really beautiful. This guy is an absolute legend in the kitchen. What he can make is phenomenal. If he can make me eat and enjoy fish, I'm sure he can do amazing things for anybody when it comes to food. And I, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to lie. I could never be a culinary journalist i don't believe because there's certain things like i don't really like to eat and i don't want to try and fake it as well mm, this is great while you're scowling down the camera now uh, these feelings are genuine um and uh, i'm really grateful to rob for inviting us along and you're going to hear him now his beautiful voice uh, and uh, about his career and how he came up and all the amazing things he has done i want to thank you guys for being so patient and waiting for the biscuit to come back it's been a long slog I mean, it's been really hard and good at the same time. I love to be busy. If you listen to the biscuit for X amount of time, you'll know that I love to keep working and making things. And um, it's been good to sort of uh, think, slow down, and decide where I want to go with this thing. But also, I've been missing being behind the mic, so you're going to hear so all kinds of crazy passion coming behind this microphone right now because it's the first time really we've recorded in a long time. So. Uh, I'm going to leave you to it. This is episode one of season alpha of the Shoes of Biscuit. And this is Rob Gibson. Enjoy. I'll catch you guys at the end. Hi guys, welcome back to the Shrewsbury Biscuit podcast. I've been away for so many weeks. Um, I'm really happy to be back here doing this thing. Sometimes you just got to take a break from things before they drive you insane, you know. I love doing this thing, but I love doing it so much that it was I was just doing too much of it, you know. But I am back, and I'm back with a, a guest today who I've been dying to speak to properly because we've met each other at events. I've been to a pop-up um, event at his, uh, at the new inn, um, at Hookergate a while ago. But now I finally get some time to sit down with executive chef Rob Gibson. How are you, mate? You I'm good? very well, mate. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's really good to, because uh, whenever I see you, the last time I saw you was at the the, the food festival in Shrewsbury. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, hey, how are you doing? You're right. Yeah, you're great. It's really good. I've got, I've got to go cook to see you later. Bye-bye. That was it. It was a quick, uh, it was a run around that day, wasn't it? Because I was... Um, hosting the stage so yeah that's keep that mic right in front of you because it's, no, no. it's very very focused yeah yeah you were and it's th those days i know beth and, and the, the team there do an amazing job with that food festival and i went to ludlow as well that was really good too uh shout out to both of them um i know they do a great job to make everything so chill but from the outside looking in, it looks like absolute manic an event like that, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's great. I love these food festivals. There's always uh, meeting new people at these things. Uh, I was lucky enough to be at Ludlow as well, but I was sort of doing a bar with Adam at the Shropshire Lad. Instead, I saw that. It, I didn't see Adam. Yeah, so he, was, he had his sort of rum shack set up. So instead of doing food, I was actually making drinks, which was a pleasant change actually i got some cool pictures of that rum shack it was right. really cool that does that thing take brilliant yeah 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 his mate mel designed it so that it'll screw together um and, and it, it's completely mobile but it you know it takes a bit of assembly as you can imagine yeah it's very cool to, to see out there and shropshire has got a very big foodie scene and now look i say this as a guy who has just like um i think maybe i'm wrapped in cotton wool maybe i'm bubble wrapped because i'm in shropshire and i didn't see much going on outside of shropshire but from looking on the inside there's a proper foodie place isn't it yeah it's, there's a big food hub going on in Shropshire and it's it's getting more each year you know it's um 
it's certainly starting to change its way. Um, obviously, you always had like Ludlow was massive, massive foodie area yeah, anyway. Yeah. But now I've, I've noticed Shrewsbury itself is becoming more and more food orientated. And I feel like, um, you know, after having to speak to Adam, uh, me and Adam got such a funny like... A funny history of like the podcast. Uh, if you you guys are um, listeners to my content, you may remember. <laughs> what's which? I think it's episode three. We just launched. You suck, right? So it was me, my team in the UK, and I had a team in America. And I was like, I've got this great guy who would be great to talk about because he does like almost American style barbecue cooking. So my my co-host Tom Bruno in Vermont was like, absolutely, get him on the show. So we get him on the show. This was during lockdown. I'd just gone to Woods. Um, before they closed, bless them, and they give me load of free drink, <laughs> and I was on keto at the time. All right, and I thought oh, I can I can handle this, no problem whatsoever. I got so drunk <laughs> speaking to Adam Pennell, and the, by the end of that episode, I was like <laughs> slurring. I had to cut it to a clean version and a bad version. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, Ed, I, I've never done a, a gig with Adam, and we've ended up sober at the end. <laughs> it's um, it's sort of the vibe, you know. You, start early with a few beers a couple of rums and yeah that's that's his whole vibe you know he's he's proper fun proper like bouncy with energy yeah um he's a good guy i miss him we should get him on the show again sometime yeah, absolutely but what adam has taught me and like yourself um and i there were different people i've spoken to even mark has been and liam tinsley for example great chefs um that kind of self-taught like kind of like get in a kitchen and just have a play around and, you know, when did you realise that you were good at this? Uh, so I, from a very early age, like my nan was an epic cook. Uh, dad worked away all week, so he'd sort of come back on like a, a Friday night and I'd, I'd be at me nan's and we'd cook, cook him a meal for when he got home. Like, um, And yeah, like I say, my nan was just an amazing cook. we always make him breads, cakes, you know, meals every time. And I just sort of got really into it then. Um, and then the first sort of, professional kitchen should we say I went in uh, my sister was working at a local pub at the time and she got me a like a work experience at this this local pub you know and there's two really great chefs there Mike and Nath and uh, they sort of got me into it in terms of from the professional side you know I did I did really well as a 15 year old lad and they hired me then you know all the weekends all the holidays I was doing there uh, what is that environment like for a 50? Is it something that you had to grow accustomed to or was it quite daunting? It's- I, I was lucky. I mean, the, the first couple of chefs I worked for were, were really chill, you know, um, really respectful towards me considering I was a young lad. Um, obviously, later on in the career when you, you sort of hit 17, 18, that's when you, you really get your, your ass handed to you. <laughs> um, yeah. But no, I was I was very lucky for the first, first couple of years. And... W- what motivates you like more as a chef growing up? Is it the failure or the success? I, know. Uh, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, I always had um, sort of dreams in my head of like, you know, getting all these prestigious, uh, prestigious accolades. Um, and it was only probably the last five, six years that I sort of dropped all them ambitions. And now I just enjoy cooking um, essentially food I like to eat, you know, for people. And if they like to eat it, great. And if they don't, <laughs> don't eat it. You know what I mean? It's. Um, I think you can tell with. The, it's it is crazy because it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's music, whether it's food, whether it's art, uh, whether, whether it's like, if you are passionate about something, and you're making it. It really just showing what you make. I mean, like, I was very lucky to, to taste some of your food uh, a couple of months ago at your your um, your pop up, which we will talk about by the way. Yeah. I, I can't get my head around the science of all that, um, and you could. Honestly, like listeners, the the beef that you made—I <laughs> mean, we've all had beef, right? We've all been to a carvery, or we've all had been this. But that beef—I don't know how you made it like that. And that's just beef. It's just well, well that's it. The, the sort of cooking I'm doing now, um, I've left behind the restaurant now, so I've gone private, um, and I I tend to cook just like really um, sort of simplistic flavors. You know, pe- flavors that people understand. Um, just, just with a bit of love, you know, and you know, make sure I get each bit right. But just, just really, um, simple's the wrong word, but do you know what I mean? Understandable, relatable, yeah, um, combinations. Yeah, and it's, it's, 
it's real chemistry, isn't it? It is chemistry. What you guys do, it's like, what's the perfect recipe with the acids and the alkalines and the and the sweet and the sour and the you know what goes with what you know. That that's it definitely, and um, a bit like well when, uh, <sighs> brain fart. <laughs> Either you you'd be surprised how many times that happens on the podcast. Um, are you trying to remember a name of someone? Yeah. No, I love that. Like the the biggest name, Marco Pierre White. When Marco Pierre White, he said, yeah, when you learn technique, you don't need the recipes anymore. And that's very much something, you know, you build along your career. And this is balancing flavours, you know, balancing acidity is a very, very important one. Um, you know, people get mistaken with seasoning. For example, pepper is not a seasoning. Pepper is a flavour that you add to something, you know, it makes it taste of pepper. Whereas a seasoning is something that brings out the flavour that's already naturally there, you know, so salt, for example, and various other, you know, you get natural salts and um, other umami boosters, should we call them. Uh, and then acidity is another one, you know, so you can just use quality, quality vinegars and verjus and citric, you know, citrus juices. Um, and a couple of drops in a sauce or something, you'd be surprised at the the difference it it makes. Like you know, it yeah. just levels it out, balances out. You're not tasting the the vinegar, but it's just clearing up the cleaning up the dish. Um, and how like when it comes to like making a name for yourself as a chef, um, I'm guessing you've been doing this for, for a few years. Now. <laughs> no, no, no disrespect, but. Um, I'm, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about an era where there wasn't a TikTok and there wasn't like, not in some circumstances, there wasn't a social media presence. Whereas I feel like, so like now I feel like a certain video or a certain uh, thing on social media can really help you get that exposure to a higher level. How do you do that? How do you get yourself into a certain level without social media? Well, Deb, when I first sort of started after I'd done all my training, I was always relatively good in college. Uh, and I went straight down to Devon and Cornwall after that. And then, obviously, that's a very a close-knit sort of group of chefs down there. So everybody knows everyone. And that was it, you know, working at various sites there. Your name soon gets passed around a bit and vice versa with everyone else. Is it a bit of a click? Is it? Yeah, it's kind of, <laughs> yes and no. Yeah, yes and no. It's, it's, yeah, there's you just hear the same name a lot and it, you either get a good rep or a bad rep down there. So when I moved back to Shropshire, I had to start from scratch again. You know, everyone had forgotten all about me. So I came back to Shropshire and that's when I sort of, I think um, collaborations with people are really important and just lots of networking. That's on my list is like the this amazing community that, that like, I'm not just saying this because we're a Shropshire-based podcast, but like the community between you guys and how you guys talk about, collaborate and work together is, is incredible because you guys really are kind of rivals. Yeah, it's so bizarre. The, the whole industry sort of shifted now um, for the better. And that's exactly it. Like I've got lots of friends in the industry and not one of them would I consider, you know, like a rival now. They're, they're, they're helping me succeed. I'm helping them succeed. Working together is only beneficial for both of us. You know, it's, it's, it's going to make both of us especially if you compliment each other you? exactly that's yeah. it yeah you know the, the more sort of collaborations you can do the better really you know and you, you're building that network their their string of followers will see see your content and then vice versa you know and it's just slowly growing that network that's why i love beth heath what she does and i know there are great event organizers out there folks but <laughs> when it comes to like shropshire based um culinary um, providers and people that are in that industry a good like food festival brings all those people together so you can find the people to collaborate very with. much so that's i mean that's how i first sort of started speaking to liam and uh, chris burst and stuff and they contacted me you know to do a few demos and that's how i sort of got in that group uh, the same with adam actually i actually met adam at a food festival and again now i consider him one of my best mates you know <laughs> he's uh he's a, oh, yeah yeah and he's like he, he is one of the first chefs i think i spoke to uh, from let me know. I'm having to think now, like over my over plus 400 plus episodes of the biscuit. Um, but yeah, one of the first chefs I spoke to that I realized, you know, when there's somebody like absolutely champions, um, the county from where they're from, even as far as the charcoal that he uses, yeah, that's it, exactly. He you know, loves he, his whole thing is <laughs> local Shropshire stuff, yeah, yeah. Um, and I saw. Adam at your pop-up at the new inn 
Yeah. Great pub, by the way. Go to the new one at Hockey Gate. It's a fantastic. Yeah, it's a cool little venue, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was like, yeah, uh, me and Rob are off to America. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, we're going we're going to go to a competition in America. And I was like, no way. This is a, a regular thing for you, isn't it? Going to America and taking part in Yeah, it's the second time I've been out uh, this year anyway. Um, it'll be next year now. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking, hoping to go somewhere crazy as well next year. But yeah, we we were very lucky. We got invited to do um, the World Food Championship. Well, I say we, Adam did, and uh, wanted a bit of a wingman to support him. So yeah, we Ba-dumps. yeah we yeah uh, <laughs> we flew out to Texas. I booked the accommodation, which was a bad decision because I booked us in the most dangerous part of Dallas. <laughs> like yeah, really? bu- booked us into South Dallas, thinking oh this is quite close to where we need to be. The taxi driver said, "Oh, I don't normally dra- drive around here, you know." And gunshots and oh, drive-by shootings, you know, it, you name it. It was uh, very a very ghetto sort of area, and um, yeah, we, we had a laugh about it in the end. But yeah, if you Google the statistics, it's like got two hundred and seventy percent more crime than the rest of Dallas or something like that. And I, yeah, I booked us into the the dodgy end of town. But no, we had a really, really, really good time out there. It was just drinking beers, cooking food, and eating plenty of tasty stuff you know it was a brilliant week i imagine you and adam though you fit in perfectly with the american food and culture there we we got on really well with everybody yeah i mean he's he's got his way of doing stuff hasn't he and they they loved his vibe um i think they found it very entertaining as well like or both of us should we say you know because what with the different in accents and stuff like that mm-hmm. so yeah um it's just a bit of a bit of a culture change for them but i bet even for America, like the way you cook, the way Adam cooks, the, the fire and the wings and the, the, the te- you know, the, the, the sexy flavours. Uh, what was it? A strawberry cheesecake chicken wing. Yeah, he did. Know? Yeah, he did that. <laughs> like, uh, surely that's like their we, bread and butter in America. We, we certainly um, we certainly competed with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, they, they have very um, specific ways they like things done at these competitions and we just sort of pushed all that aside and did it our own way. Um, but no, made some great contacts over there. And uh, we've been invited back next year. Really we cool. missed out on like by quarter of a point. Um, oh. So you know. Or, so yeah, how did it go? Is, are you allowed to say yeah? Is yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, like I say, we got we got very very close. Uh, missed out by quarter of a point, um, which you know is comforting in one way because it, it shows that you were doing the right sort of thing. And then obviously a bit disappointing because it would have been nice to have that extra few grand in the bank. But uh, next next year, you know, we we know a bit more what we're looking for. You know, we know exactly how the competition works. Considering it was our first year, you know, a lot of the people there had been there year, year in, year out. And we we beat all of them. So Is it, I mean, like how much of that, of a, a competition like that is all about the the glitz and the glam and the putting on a show or the food i mean what's most important and annoyingly more about the glitz and the glamour really? um yeah there's a there's a couple of people that got through just on the glitz and the glamour um which we had to tone down a little bit because normally obviously adam is up front and sort of showcasing everything but we were just so busy <laughs> we had to keep our heads down and get it done which probably you know might have co- cost us a, a point or whatever um but yeah, there's there's loads of that drama going on. What you need is you need a, somebody with a microphone at the front where you guys do. That's it, exactly. Yeah, hook us up and. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, yeah. glamorous assistant. We've got the biscuit guy with us. I'm saying, you take me next time. Maybe you know, I can do all the the show dancey stuff. You guys can cook. You know That's what I mean? It. it sounds like a deal. Like, hey, America, how's it going? Uh, how are those biscuits? <clears throat> Of yours, uh, aka scones. Yeah, not our biscuits. Are they not our sort of biscuits? Oh man, the you know, arguments I've had with Mister Tom Bruno. I remember we um, somebody put a a picture of a a packet that said um, English muffin, and it was a crumpet. <laughs> Clearly, a crumpet in the packet. And I was like, they're they're so confused over there. Um, how hard is it to? I mean, I know you've only been twice, but when it comes to American cooking and food, the translation is not easy. <laughs> It's not no, easy no, no. with those guys. No, no, no. I mean, luckily, um, a lot of my background tends to be more in the fine dining, which which probably translates even better over there because, you know, yeah. classically French trained, um, that carries all the, uh, over to their culinary institutes as well. And they're all classically French trained, you know, yeah. from the fine dining base. But in terms of like old school Texan barbecue and stuff, I, I just try to learn, learn a bit of yeah. them, you know. Yeah. And then obviously we went to Boston as well. Well, I went to Boston, so got invited. That was a very cool one. I got invited to go and cook the world's largest beef Wellington for Gordon Ramsay, which wow. was which was really cool. So yeah, we, I've 
technically he's got the he's got the record, but it was it was me who did all the pre- you know essentially made it. So you can regularly just walk rock up and work with Gordon Ramsay. I mean that's yeah. Amazing. Well, they filmed they filmed the um, the second day in New York, which is where they took the finished beef Wellington that I had made, <laughs> and. Um, and yeah, and then that filmed his part after that. So I never got to meet him officially. But I worked with, you know, Guga Foods and uh, Nick DiGiovanni, uh, Max the Meat Guy. They were all there. And I was essentially their chef consultant, should we say. So I was showing them how to make this this perfect beef wellington. Uh, and they commissioned me for it. You know, you're talking 20, I think the record is 27.5 kilos or something like that. So wow. it's a big, big, big bit of meat (laughs) (laughs) beef wellington as well what a great great meal that is um what i mean i did write a question here but i don't know if that do chefs have like a white whale the one thing that they want to achieve as in in the culinary world something you want to make and perfect that you've not quite got right yet yeah definitely definitely Uh, i think each chef it would be something completely different and, and mine probably changes as well currently i've got like um got a macaron vibe on the go um i've never been able to do perfect macarons so you know it's just and i know they're very easy to do but for some reason it's one of those things that i've just never been successful with i think it counts a lot with the oven and i'm still cooking from a crappy old gas oven you know (laughs) um maybe i'm due an upgrade uh so that was one and then it was something else earlier on in my career there was something very very simple that always used to irritate me and i think it was something as simple as just a plain meringue um and i always mess it up yeah i think it was just i just always because it was such an easy job it wasn't meringue it was honeycomb it was honeycomb and because it's such an easy job i never put enough thought into it i was like i just knock one out and then i'd find myself going through two or three batches and i'd either burn it or you know not set it enough or something like that now i can do it with my eyes closed but um then it used to give me problems yeah, I think it's good to have something like that, though. Yeah, yeah, something definitely. Like, just, that, just that thing that just follows you around and annoys you all the time in the back of your mind, like, yeah. <laughs> you're never going to get there because you just, I don't know. It's, it's nice to have something you can't attain. Maybe when then when you get it, it feels great. Well, that's it. I, I, I didn't try and avoid it because I was so crap at it. I you know, kept yeah. going until I got it right. And it is, it is just knowing your sugars you know take take the guesswork out of it and use a sugar thermometer yeah and then you know jobs are good and then um and we were talking whilst uh, making a drink and you're talking about how you you, you travel around an awful lot i try to yeah i, I mean job. i've been very lucky throughout my career you know i've worked out in australia and like i said i've been to america a good few times but i, I like to travel i like to eat different cultures how does that work do you have to like audition for something like that the same as you would like a show or do they come and find you? they come and find me you know i'm, <laughs> I'm lucky yeah but all, all <laughs> of all, all of these opportunities have just sort of fell fell at my doorstep um I, I filmed a show for bbc2 i think when i was 22 i think i was 22 and yeah i was just sat at home one day and got a phone call off this bbc person i wouldn't say producer you know one of the team saying oh we're filming this show with alex polizzi called chefs on trial do you want to do you want to be part of it i was yeah why not (laughs) so i did that like all these crazy opportunities sort of um just happen to come i think they come to everyone it's just whether you take the leap of faith or not you know you take them or not is there like um you can take a drink of your tea, don't worry. I can see it. Oh, so been eyeing it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those, I think, I spoke to a guest recently that um, Liam made us a, a nice coffee and, and she didn't drink it. And I was kind of like, oh man, that's my fault. Child. He's a very good coffee maker. <laughs> he is, he is. Just doesn't do it or not. I'm joking. <laughs> we love you, Liam. Um, and, you know, we wish you the best of luck uh, with the restaurant at Theatre 7. It's a great little spot. Oh, it's ace. Yeah, he's, he's done wonders with it. What a cool little space. And yeah, God, his ambition is just going through the roof, you know. Each all of these ideas that he's got. It's like he's got in. too many ideas. Yeah, we talked about this at the Shropshire Music Awards. I was like, you need to find an idea, just sit with it for a little bit. Yeah, well, like, like I said, just take it a step at a time, you know. But he's he's smashing it, and uh, it's nice to see him so happy. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's uh, he's strutting his stuff at the moment. Um, but yeah, what was I saying? I was going to say something, and I completely forgot. Oh yeah, media wise, TV wise, do you have a, any ambition with that? I mean, what's the what's the goal for you with that? I would like to. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I've got a lot of friends who 
influencers, you know, I, I guess they're called and sort of TikTokers and all that sort of stuff. And um, I never, I've never got around to sort of filming my content or taking enough pictures and stuff. So in the new year, I want to really focus on that, you know. And my mate Tom, he, he said, just start, just start taking videos. Like you know, just next time you cook something, just start taking videos. Um, so that's something I want to push next year and just just I'm, see where I can get with it. I'm terrible with it as well. I could bring cameras in here, yeah, and, and you know, really just it up. It's just everybody is preferring to watch things now. But I'm like, I've done this for so long now, and I'm not being like stubborn on technology because that's how you die yeah. <laughs> in this kind of industry. Um, but like, I feel like I feel I've, I've got I'm not like I've got a face for radio. I'm very. <laughs> That's right. I am very comfortable in my own skin when I'm doing this. I think if cameras were there, you'd get a different version of Alex. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it can be different. So, I think you got to change though. You got to keep adapting for, to for, stay. For me, it'll just be the consistency. You know, just make sure I'm getting this content and, um, you know, just stop putting it off. I mean, I'm I've constantly got stuff to do because I'm obviously a private chef, yeah. so I'm continuously you know prepping stuff if i just started recording a bit of that i'd have endless amounts of content exactly uh, i should really learn how to edit stuff as well i'm not not good at anything like that are you how are you with tv chefs because i know that sometimes you maybe you'll watch something and be like that's not how you do that <laughs> watching saturday kitchen or something like yeah that after, like butchering something you're like well after after a few bits i understand like sort of the deceit that goes on behind cameras um but you know i'd it, it I, I really respect these these chefs on there. There's I only watch the ones that I respect. I don't bother with anyone else. You know, I love watching Great British Menu because they're all really really good guys. You know, they're really I suppose amazing you, chefs. You must choose people that cater to your style of cooking. Yeah, and yeah. constantly learning. You know, you're constantly learning off these. Oh, that, what a, what a cool idea. You know, and you you take that idea and you sort of adapt it and you play around with it and use it on one of your dishes. You know, um, and is there anything like that? You know. I mean, whether it's in the line that you work, whether you see it on TV or maybe in, in adverts, some things that really piss you off. You're like, well, wish they'd stop doing that. <laughs> I'm trying, <laughs> trying to think off the top of my head. Uh, knife sharpening is probably one when they're just whipping the knife over the steel all the time. Yeah. Um, which is great when you're a butcher and stuff, but a lot of these Japanese knives, you're better off. With stone. Yeah, yeah. stone or, or like really, really um, almost strop it like you would a razor. You know, if you've got a good steel, great. But a lot of these steels are really coarse. You know, they're either made of cheap stainless steel or they're diamond coated, which for these expensive Japanese knives that they're using, you're, uh, you know, you're going to knacker it before, you know, you're going to yeah. take away that really fine edge. Yeah, it'll be sharp for about two minutes. The thing is, they're rubbing it gently against the stone with some oil. It's not as showy as... No, it's not. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, that's why, I guess. Because I'm sort of like, obviously I make knives as well. I started, you know, a few years ago just messing around with the forge. So sort of understand the processes wow. there. Um, so yeah, when I see them messing around with these expensive knives... And I'm like, God, I wish I had a knife like that. And then you see him mistreating them. It's, uh, yeah. It's, Get off that knife. Yeah. Like, yeah. You just stick with your, your cheap ones. I'll, I'll take the nice ones. Um, I just watched, finished watching The Bear. On, uh, oh, it's just, great, isn't it? Do you like that show? Is that, yeah, is that quite brilliant. authentic then? They, they, they did a really good job of, um, sort of capturing what it's like in that. The stress level. Yeah. In that, in like the professional kitchens. You know, when I was in the restaurants and, you know, the hotels at a high, higher end level. That's exactly what it was like, yeah. Really? Um, just just crazy, like, and they nailed it. They nailed it with the discipline side of things. Yeah, I really enjoyed the bear. So, oh, you you, you can't make a pate or get out! You know, they yeah. march you out, like... Is yeah, it, I remember like, my, my very first proper job, should we say, in terms of in a fine dining kitchen, the head chef didn't even acknowledge me for three months. Wow. Didn't even, like I, like, I was completely invisible. Wouldn't even you know look at me um and then i was put on salad section it sounds so simple and you know and the sous chef at the time who's now one of my good friends came over and he's like right i know it's just something as simple as a salad he said just make it the best that this place has ever seen and i really warmed to it you know and it's each morning i'd be picking through this frisé making sure everything's correct you know prepping these on prepping these micro herbs prepping these um a lot of edible flowers and stuff back then yeah. um anyway once you know the chef started seeing this these go out and he, he came over after a, a few months like i said and just said something as simple as uh 
these look really good, you know, and then and then then the, obviously that pushed me then to right. The next thing I do do really really good. Is that is that why he's ignored you for so long though? So that when he does give you that compliment, it's kind of like oh my god, he does yeah, <laughs> yeah, quite perhaps. <laughs> and what's really bizarre is we I we actually became really good friends after another three months, shall we say. I was on the line with him, and it's surpassed people that had, had been there years, you know. Just because I I put everything I had into everything I had, I ne- nearly broke myself at a very young age. But that's mm. sort of why I'm able to do what I do now, I suppose. That's a, that's an interesting thing that you put yourself through that. Oh, I put myself you... through hell, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of I would say I wouldn't say it's common, but that that's kind of like a I won't say it's cliche either. But you do hear that a lot from chefs that they've been through like hell and back, which is why they could turn around and be like. Boy, <laughs> yeah. Well, what's nice now though is is the industry again is changing. There's no, or I say there's no, there's not as much shouting and swearing oh, and stuff yeah. in in the kitchen. And I I noticed it was only when I took over my first um, role as head chef um, that I got a lot more out of people by treating them nicely than yeah, I ever human did. Human beings, yeah. Bollocking them every five minutes, which uh, as a sous chef before I I was a bit of a psycho. I'm you know I was. Not but that's how you're raised, right? That's right. That's grow up. that's right. Yeah, and I I learned my lesson through that. You know, I I learned a lesson from that. But um, it's nice now that I like to think that people work with me and go, oh, he's quite a nice guy, rather than. Is there something? Is there anything that sort of pushes you to the edge, like kitchen pet peeves? I um, my wife hates it when I leave like doors open and cupboards and things like. That. Is there anything like in your kitchen where, even if it's something simple, where you like. Mm. yeah <laughs> yeah what well, well, the the obvious one is i don't like having to explain myself um like or answer back it's different if someone's asking a question to educate themselves but if they're just trying to be awkward you know um mm. so if i say oh right can you can you do that i don't like a <laughs> an ex- explanation of why i don't need to explain why <laughs> you know that's the beauty of being in it. charge yeah. <laughs> i don't have to explain why um that, that irritates me. If, they, like I say, if they're just trying to educate themselves, that's completely different. But I don't imagine like in an orchestra when some of the conductors doing his wavy wandy thing, and you're like, you, "You sure you want me to play a yeah. C there?" No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly. It's um, yeah. Mum, mum sometimes come and helps me with the functions and stuff as well, and she she likes to get involved. Bless her. Um, so oh, what should you be doing that? Should should you be doing that over there? And I say, Mum, you worry about what you're doing, <laughs> and I'll take it from here. Imagine that Eric Cartman, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, like yeah, that that used to annoy me in the in the professional kitchens. And what was the other one? There was something else. Oh, I always used to wind my head chef up because I knew his what his worst one were. And uh, we have like a spoon pot on the pass, obviously for sourcing tasting various bits and it's just spoons in a pot of water and i always used to put a couple of forks in there so you know he'd be really really busy mid-service and then grab one of these forks and it always got launched at me but it was it was it was worth it it was worth it i mean well i I guess when you when you're in a kitchen though and you you've been through it all like whether it's a tough night with with really like high pressure uh, clientele or whatever um, where at the end of the day it becomes like a brotherhood with you guys I mean how's that yeah I mean you, you spend you know more time with these guys than you do with your own family so uh, you've you've got to get on and that's why I think it's it's important now that the industry is going in the direction it is um, I'm I'm lucky I still get to go and put my head into the restaurant you know and I'll work a few days or work a week or whatever with some um, pretty you know some known names and uh I'm lucky enough to go into their kitchen and the, just the camaraderie there now is brilliant. You know, there's everyone's always having a laugh, not, you know, not crying in the corner like <laughs> you used to see. Yeah. Not I'm scolding not... hot purees thrown over them or anything like that. I was very, I mean, you're not the first chef to mention the, the change in uh, mood in, in the kitchen. And I was expecting a lot of like um, chefs from back in the day, from, you know, like yourself has been through it to be like, Oh, they're making us like not shout at kids anymore. Call them a bread sandwich, an idiot sandwich. <laughs> but the more like encouraging it. Actually, this is really good. You know, the, Liam was very good about that as well. He was like, the, the kitchen's a much more welcoming place now. There's no yeah, yeah. That's that's good to there's, say. There's yeah, there's a very fine line between a bit of banter and bullying in the kitchen, and um, I think it's it's important still to have a bit of. Authority, yeah, yeah, very much so. You're the chef, yeah, Get very on. much so. But um, just 
just make sure it's it's there for the for the whole team rather than just to massage your own ego. Does that make sense? You mentioned a key word there. Ego. <laughs> ego. And you know what I'm talking about. I remember I went to a local radio station because I was done. I did radio for about 18 months. Did, um, splash damage radio. I did uh, a naughty talk with Alex Whiteley. It's fun, right? I really enjoyed that. Um, but I went to a local radio station. I was like, I want to go on the radio. Have you got any spaces available? And they were like, do you have an ego? <laughs> I was literally <laughs> asking that. I was like, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe. Like, do, how, do you have to have an ego to be a chef? Does it help or... Do you notice it yourself? I think in the in the start of the career, perhaps, yeah. um, it helped me sort of stay on stay on course, should we say? You know, um, and may maybe help with uh, confidence issues. You know, because you probably always slightly oversell yourself, which then, of course, you got to fill those boots. Yeah. Um, so you're constantly pushing yourself forward. Um, I don't. I think I've dropped most of my ego now. Um, like so I'm I'm always learning off people, you know, half my age people will, will still teach me stuff and I think that's what's important is share, sharing these um these different techniques and stuff. But uh yeah, ego back in the day I, I definitely had an ego, especially as a sous chef. I was uh I was a bit of a nightmare. I've you know, I've heard from I've, I've spoken to me people about like more like marketing side of things, you know, and it's more about like putting a price on things, right? So like Without an ego, without this, what makes you special? That X factor, that little bit of pizzazz, you know? Yeah. Um, like, without that, you don't have as much value. So you kind of almost have to create this this space where I am the biscuit guy. Give me a roll. Do you know what I mean? So That's exactly right. it. It's yeah. valuing yourself, yeah. that's And it's taken me a bit to, to work up to that um, working for myself again now. And it takes a few mates to say, look, no, you need to put your price up here and put your price up there and... Um, yeah, once you start to value yourself, I, yeah, I don't think I've let my ego get carried away with me, but I certainly, um, I'm a bit of a nightmare if, if I don't like the sound of someone, you know, over emails or phone calls, if they sound like they're going to be picky or they sound like they're yeah. going to irritate me in some way, yeah. then I'll just refuse their booking. It's good to have those people that can bring you back down to earth a little bit. Yeah. Like, stop being a knob, Alex, like, <laughs> you know? But- <laughs> I, I like, I suppose, thinking about it now, maybe I have got an ego because uh, I like to cook for people who like to have me in their house. Does that make sense? Yeah. They yeah. enjoy my food. Um, so when people do get a bit too picky, like um, currently I won't say any names, but... Um, no, nope, you can only love me. Yeah, <laughs> but um, that I'm having email exchanges at the moment and yesterday I thought, do you know what, in a minute I'm just going to say, no, nah, I don't want to cook for you. <laughs> just because it's, it's like... I. I don't want to have to bow down to people to do that. So that's not what I'm offering. And I love, I love that. I, yeah. That is the right amount of ego that is because there are offers out there for you all over the place. I imagine. Yeah, but they're a lot easier. Yeah, very. If you don't like, want my cooking, then I won't come. That, that's it exactly. I said, right, this is what I offer. Can you offer this? Can you offer that? Well, I can. Yeah, but is it going to be profitable for me? You know, you're causing me annoyance <laughs> which you know you're going into someone's house you've got to feel comfortable there you know you've got to you know feel like you're welcome there and i bet you get lots of emails that are completely out of par as well like you know like an, an analogy going up to like david getter and asking him to play oasis do you know what i mean like th- yeah, that's yeah. not me mate the- that that's very much it that's <laughs> a lot a lot of i've been very lucky because pretty much all of my client base um sort of know the style i like to do and um I cater to what they want because um, that's what I happen to enjoy cooking. But I have had some requests for stuff that I'm like, no, that's that's not my cup of tea. I like, I, I blacklisted some customers. They cancelled on me last minute, but I'd agreed to do like steaks and burgers or something for them one day. And I forget why I did it because it wasn't even making me any money. But, you know, it was so earlier on in the um, self-employment and I thought, oh, I'll take that one, I'll take this one. And no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> It's, you know, I've worked hard to get where I am and I've set up these. But I think you and Liam and, and Adam as well, because I've had some of Adam's food as well, and um, taught me that even the most simple things, when once done by a professional like yourself, like Liam, um, like I, we went to, Liam cooked a steak for me. We, we put it on YouTube, it was amazing. I'd never had a steak like it. And your beef as well. Your beef, like, for example, it's roast beef, but you've, the love you, I ate fish, by the way. Yes. Yeah. I don't eat fish. No, but you, you cleared it, didn't you? I did. 
phenomenal for absolutely phenomenal don't eat fish and i i was like oh my god this is really embarrassing it's very public right that i'm gonna put this all over social media and i've got to eat fish i hope i don't throw up everywhere and disrespect the, the chef that's kindly inviting me around yeah. here and i bit into like oh my god oh my god oh my god oh yeah it's um i'm <laughs> i'm not massively fishy either like and i i used to live in um cornwall uh, as you know um, so I was very lucky. I had the, the freshest produce on my door, and I was so fussy with fish. Um, I I'd never let anyone other than myself or one of my friends cook it for me because I've, I just had this vision of going to a restaurant and it being hideously overcooked. And you know, I I'm, I'm a bit like self. I just don't like it. Um, but when you've got nice fresh fish, it can be absolutely delicious. It was actually beautiful. White fish <laughs> is just fantastic. Yeah, he cleared it, which it's is nice. nice. Nice to try something different. It is, and uh, it's, it's, it is teaching me. See, I'd love to be a food critic because I'd love to just go and and just try new things. But my problem is, I like, I'm really fussy about a couple of things. I, like, I, I physically, and this isn't me being picky. Ever since I was a child, I physically cannot eat egg without just a hurt heaving. In, in any in any kind of fried egg, which is which annoys me. That smells amazing when it's cooked. Yeah. But the the, the wriggly so. You're not alone in that. I know a few people like that. Um, not. And uh, like if, um boiled eggs, all them sort of things. I can't omelette, scrambled egg, anything no, like the, that. No, the the nearest thing I can eat is probably pancakes. Right, okay. So if it's in something it's Yeah, yeah. And um which just annoys me because we were doing keto last year and we did amazing off it. If I if I could eat eggs yeah, it would have been a lot easier. It would have been a lot easier, <laughs> wouldn't it? Do you know what I mean? But um and the seafood thing of course um is a bit of a pain in the backside for me. So I couldn't there are certain things I couldn't eat. I think my tastes have developed over the years. I used to detest olives. I used to hate mushrooms. mushrooms. It was only, Those steak mushrooms, like... Um, mushrooms is a big one that people hate. Now I can't get enough of them. Mm. And it's just, you know, just try it. Just keep trying it. Yeah. And eventually you'll find something that, you you know, you're really enjoying. Um, well, you've helped me with that with fish. Yeah, well, th- thank you. Yeah. I'd happily get chips from, uh, fish from the chip shop. Um, actually, this is a really good point. Um, this is a complete segue, um, but it's, it's a really good point to bring up. I spent £4 on a bag of chips the other day, and I put on Facebook, I spent £4 on a bag of chips. I was, what happened was, right, I went into into Rebrook Chip Shop, an amazing chip shop, by the way. Uh, shout out to those guys. We always go there. Um, but I had a tenner, and I had my little boy with me, right? And they don't accept card. And I was like, that's all I had. I didn't have my card. I mean, and I was like, I, I can't afford two battered sausage and chips. That's so I got crazy, ba- isn't it? I know. And I got bad sausage and chips for, for Timmy, and I just got a large bag of chips for me and a couple of scallops, you know. And I, that was that cleared the tenner. Yeah. And I was like, what, two years ago, it wasn't that expensive for a bag of chips. Well, the thing is, like, a lot of um, chip shops have closed down around me, and my, my initial thought, it's going to be the cost in oil. You know, you've got two or three 75-litre fryers that you've yeah. got to change every probably couple of days. Um and oil has almost tripled in price, yeah, as you'll have yeah. seen in the supermarkets. You know, you can't buy a bit of crisp fry for less than four quid. Yeah. Um, so I imagine that's a big deal. And obviously the, the price of everything has gone up yeah, like massively. Yeah, and all that sort of um, It's funny we, you came onto that because I was just speaking with a friend of mine the other day saying I wanted to buy one of these old fish and chip shops off that were in town and just take all the old deep fryers out and put some commercial air fryers in there and see if see if I could do something with that. Like, you make fish and chips cheap. What an incredible again. idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They'd, be... It'd have to be, like, quality. You'd have to test it. But I thought, you know, that gets away from that oil cost. Because a barrel of oil, like a 25-litre thing of oil, you're looking at 20-odd quid now. Wow. So you imagine that times God knows how much. In that deep fryer. Yeah. And that's just the oil. That's, you know, you're not technically serving um, that it's... I, I just want to clarify by the way i wasn't digging at the hard work that food no, no. make and i wasn't like being like oh i pint. i paid the price it was just a shock, shock. yeah it no shock I, I get exactly what and i mean. totally get it like the world is a messed up place for food creators like, like yourself as well you know it's not I, easy i am um, I, I costed a menu recently because i do some consulting as well and i was costing my menus and I was like, realistically, I'd have to charge something like not uh, nineteen to twenty pounds for a fresh fish and chips in the pub to be able to make the same profit that I would have made. So, unless you were making for mass bulk like customers, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, even then, it, it, the cost is the cost. You know, a piece of fish costs so much. Yeah. Um, 
and it was the same with the steak. You know, let's say you've got a really good quality steak and you've paid six, seven quid for it. By the time you've added your garnish and your sauce and you've paid the staff and you've paid the pot wash and you've paid the... Put the lights front on, effect, yeah. Put the lights on, put the gas on to cook it. Uh, you, you're always aiming for about 75% GP, which is almost unachievable now. I'd have yeah. had to charge close to 30 quid for this sirloin steak. You know, that's you, why I'd never eat it out. Do you, are, you guys, are you guys as... as, as, as Food creators, and you know, as 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 far back as I say, as far back, I went to an Indian last night. Amazing food, chip shop, amazing food, executive chef, amazing. Are you guys, <laughs> all of you, thinking that it's got to balance out somewhere? Because yeah, well, a, a lot of us now. I know for myself, obviously being private, I'm just absorbing the cost. I haven't put. I think I've put my prices up by like a fiver per head in the past two or three years and everything else has gone up by probably Every, that. yeah exactly that so i'm just absorbing that and i know a lot of restaurants are as, as well um but yeah it's it's gonna have to there'll be a there'll be a point where it's just gonna be unaffordable for people yeah. to eat out or maybe it just becomes more of a luxury and the fine dining restaurants will flourish more i don't i don't I'm, know but. i'm kind of hoping because i know there's this lean towards like this resurgence in our economy that they kind of wake up a little bit and they go actually if you want to boost the economy we got to help people be able to go out and spend their money, do you know, yeah, what I mean? by lowering it, yeah. prices a little bit and, and manufacturing prices as it costs as well. Well, I do hope it balances out, but um, I just want to apologise for that post. If I offended anyone, I was just shocked and a bit annoyed as well. I couldn't get my battered sausage. Do you know what I mean? No, I know exactly. <laughs> it's only when you part with that cash, you just realise how crazy it is. What if have you, I just done? If you were to have bought, bought a few Freddos, you'd have had the same shock. <laughs> like, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, a uh, couple more questions. When it comes to going to uh, festivals, like we've mentioned, uh, Shrewsbury Food Festival and Ludlow, and I'm sure you do up and down the country. Mm-hmm. How does that preparation go for you? Because obviously, you walk into a tent, and do you have like do you have to take your own products? Do you know what you're making? Do you know how you're going to make it? And you know how does that work? Because you must do one festival one day. Next weekend, you do not how, like how do you plan for that? Yeah, so. For me now, I've got it down to a quite fine art. I was doing a cooking demo the other day for um, um, a shop called Brambles in um, Audlem. It's like a little cook shop, so I do it every year there. And uh, I've got it in my head now. I like to try and use as minimal equipment as possible. So I, I want to do a lot of one-pan dishes. So I'm sort of like, right, I want to do, let's say I want to do sea bass. What can I do with that that's showy, but also I'm not going to have bits of kit everywhere. Yeah, that's where you can get yourself in a bit of my there. I also like to make it hard on myself. Every single food demo I've ever done, I normally do three courses. I, you get, get allocated about 45 minutes and I normally do three or four courses uh, just because just I like running around and it gives me plenty to talk about. You know, if sometimes if you make it too simple, I've seen chefs that go up uh, with a lot of pre-prepared stuff and they're just assembling essentially, but then you, you run out of stuff to talk about. Whereas I can always fill the gaps um, just yeah. by rambling on about what I'm what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, in, t- in terms of what am I going to cook, it's normally something along the lines of what's on my menu at the moment. I think, and right, I really like that dish. I'll show it to everyone, or I'll do a variation of it, a simplified version of it. Um, so that that tends to be where I base the ideas for that yeah, cool. around. I like that, and then also uh, utilizing. Um, like sponsors and stuff so for example there's uh the rapeseed oil guys and all that sort of stuff Risden and Risden yeah sexy so trying to use their products as well those aprons are proper nice aren't they that was my favorite part about being at the food show is getting a free <laughs> free wrist and wrist and apron <laughs> i was really 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 nice to them at ludlow and i was hoping they'll be like oh mr biscuit girl do you know what i wouldn't even i don't i'm not really a massive foodie like my wife will not let me cook I'd be like, can I cook tonight? And she'd be like, no. <laughs> I think I'd be a bit like that, but the opposite, you know. Is it true about that when you come home after like cooking, you'd like just like just get a pot noodle? Or a, lot, a lot of the time, yeah. Just I get a takeaway. We or... like crap. I mean, my head chef was telling me a story once and the, the story's irrelevant. Uh, it's the way he started it. He was like, yeah, I was halfway through my lasagna croissant. And I was like, sorry, chef, what? <laughs> and it's, it's exactly how it sounded. It was a croissant cut up, buttered. Of course he buttered it. And then a slab of uh, lasagna that I th- believe was left from a staff dinner or something in that croissant. And that's the sort of crap that we eat. Um, but I'm I'm pretty good now. I like cooking because I'm nowhere near in the sort of stress that I used to be at. You know, I'm not working 100-hour weeks anymore. Yeah. Um, I've got a lot more time, so I do cook. Uh, I'm 
I'm sure I've cooked today. I just can't remember for the life of me what it was. <laughs> it's all such a blur. Yeah, I, I met. There we go. Yesterday, I made a full Sunday roast for me. It was I was the only person at home, so <laughs> it was for one. But I, I went and got all the stuff, and I thought I'm going to do it anyway. So I had it for three meals yesterday. That's amazing. And you know, I did say uh, before we started, put a pin in um, your pop-ups, like we did at the in Hockergate. What do you get more out of it? More like out of it more that the 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 amount of people pay for the food, mm-hmm. and then there's the networking opportunities that come from that. What's what do you get out of it more? Um, so the pop ups now, I'm pretty good. Uh, when I first started them, you know, we never sort of knew where we were going to go with it, but now I'm mostly confident I can fill it every time I do one. And you did, <laughs> which I did, yeah, you did, yeah. There was, I think, there was a last minute four cancelled or something that, we, that got filled like that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so each establishment works it slightly differently. The one with new in, obviously, they took all the bar sales, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It was good advertising. And you had Tanner's wines there as well. Exactly, Tanner's wines there. Some places will charge me like a flat rate. Uh, you know, right? There's three hundred quid to use the kitchen facilities, or whatever. Other places uh, will want a, um, a price per head. You know, we'll take five, you take whatever. Um, but for me, uh, sorry, back to your question, it's knowing that I can fill it, I know I can pay my bills that month. Do you know oh, what I mean? Because nice. if I make 1,000, 1,500 quid from a, a, a midweek pop-up, you know, on a Tuesday night or something. And that's in one, well, I guess, the preparation beforehand as well. There's a lot of prep because it is just me. And, and one night of just pure cooking. Yeah, so let's say you've got 40, 50 people. I normally do about five courses. Um, you know, there's a, a lot of work goes into it, but the same respect, I, I take home a nice pocket. I always pay my staff really well. They'll always yeah. tell you that. I, I probably higher paid waitresses than anywhere else. You know, so I think Dexter did it the other day and made like 100 quid in five hours or something like that, you know. Nice, good. Um, which is unheard of in hospitality. But anyway, so I make sure they get sorted out. And um, yeah, in terms of these pop-ups, it's just a, a nice little financial boost for me. And again, like you say, meet new people. I meet the people of the the establishment I'm in, sort of create that connection. Um, and then, yeah, guests constantly changing. Yeah. How do you deal with um, the negative comments or reviews and things i mean he's, oh, his eyes changed and he's like I've, I've been very lucky i've been very lucky i haven't had any here's me just assuming nasty, you've had negative reviews nasty no i haven't had any nasty ones yet um online sometimes i get i get like um you'll you'll put something up and there's always someone's got something smart to say about yeah, it yeah 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 uh, and i probably should just well i in fact no i've got a perfect technique i don't say anything one of my other chef friends does because I do the same for them. If you know, if somebody's commented on Oi. my post, yeah, yeah, I'll happily educate that person because they're not my customer. So I'll I'll go to town on them, <laughs> and then I hope that someone will do it in you know for me as well, defend me. But yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. Um, in terms of awkward customers and stuff, I've been very lucky because I pick my clients, you know, who I go to and whatever. Uh, one of my customers asked me the other day, oh, would you cook for any knobs or anything? Like, you know, would you? what would you do? And I said it would be as simple as I'd let them have what they've had already for free, I'd down tools and I'd leave. And it would be that easy and they'd be left with the embarrassment of uh, pissing someone off and being left without a chef. Do you know what I mean? I'd love that power. And I couldn't work in the service industry, yeah. industry by the way. I, oh, I did have one guy click at me once. Yeah, I I want um so I was out introducing one of the courses and he held up his wide laugh and, and clicked at me. And uh, I'm not the smallest of people, so I, I looked over with a glare and Did um, you just Yeah, like sort of in in shock at what had just happened and I, I think he he soon uh, soon realised not not to do that again. People do not click at anybody yeah. in the bar industry. That's really, really disrespectful. And especially chefs. Do yeah, not chef. click at chefs because they're, they're, they're on a ledge anyway. Like, you know, they're on a on very thin ice. They're dangling by a thread. Yeah. You snap that thread, they'll go wild because they're all mentally unstable. <laughs> what is, what is like, when you think of, like, your initiation of getting on the wrong side of the head chef, have you, when you were a young chef, did you ever... Like do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, and he's just. I was I was lucky because when I was a young chef, 
uh, I went to the gym a lot. I was a big lad. Um, so I never had the violence. That, Do you not know who I am? <laughs> I, but, but I also had that respect. So I would never, ever square up to a chef or anything like that Yeah. Um, as a young chef. But no, I never had the violence purely because it, it wouldn't end well for them. Um, but I had that respect and I they could bring you down or up with just a few words. And it was that that sort of kept you on your toes. Um, yeah, that's nice. It's, it's nice that you've had that experience though because you can my, pass that on to others. You know? the, the guy who taught me um pretty much most of what i know i've worked with this guy predominantly most of my career and he was one of the best tempered chefs i ever knew and he would never lose his cool he'd lose his cool like once in three months say but the effect it would have on the yeah. whole team yeah because when he'd, he'd just go off like and you'd think oh my god there'd just be silence and everyone would be like work their ass off after that um it had an effect whereas i was the complete opposite and he gave me some advice once. He was like, Rob, you, because you constantly act like that, it's got no impact on anyone. They're just thinking Rob's just being a knob again. Um, so I had to really learn to control when and where the battles I picked, you know, and then if I did go off, it'd actually have some bite to it. Yeah, I was, I was in the cadets when I was younger and I got taught how to sort of teach and, and have that kind of authority. And um, so an instructor was like... Um, if I shout all the time, you won't pay attention to me. And you're just like, oh, yeah, he is, Mr. Shouty, Shouty, Shouty. Whereas if I'm quiet all the time and you run into the road and I shout, stop, you'll yeah. know that there's danger. Yeah, you had me then straight away. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, uh, it's a good analogy. It's a good way of, like, grabbing people's attention. Um, right, I'm going to play a game with you now, if you don't mind. I'm going to have to use an analog. Have you got a stopwatch or anything? Yeah, I can, though. I can, you got phone. Um, okay, so I've got this game I started called... Why, it's random, isn't it? Yeah? And it's... Um, and, oh, it's doing something. Yeah, it's just... It's, 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 it's all right. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll put it on aeroplane mode. Maybe that'll help. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It has. Yeah, it did, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, this, the, the joys smart, of working with Bluetooth. Thinking, eh? um, so I found... Timer or stopwatch? Uh, Stopwatch is perfect. That's great, actually. So I found this great website who I spoke to in the week, and they're very chuffed that we're doing this. Uh, it's called teambuilding.com. And they have this amazing question called the the random question button. Okay. Literally, <laughs> so for a whole minute, and you've got to try and answer as many as you can. Okay. So uh, quick answers, yeah. So quick answers as much as you can. Ra I have no control of this. Okay. This is all from teambuilding.com. So we'll do it for a minute, and um, we'll see how many you can get. Are you Okay, I'll get the first question up. And we'll go. Uh, what has been uh, on your to-do list the longest? Oh, God, get in shape. Get in shape. Do you enjoy roller coasters? What was the best, worst roller coaster you've been on? Love it. Best one was in a theme park in Italy. It's called something like the Thunder Whirler thingy. And it was like a cross between Oblivion and, and uh, Nemesis. It was brilliant. And the worst one was probably Corkscrew when that used to be in. Alton Towers and it used to leave you with a um, crooked neck. And there's a black hole as well, I remember that. Uh, um, what, what book are you currently reading? I can't read. Well, I can read. I just, it's not, it's it, it, the information doesn't go in, so I like audiobooks. So true crime. Uh, do you prefer to work in an office or from home? Uh, I would prefer to work in an office should I be in that job. Yeah. Uh, are you more of a type A or a type B person? I don't know what that means. I mean, <laughs> moving on. Uh, do you have any short-term goals? Uh, get in shape. <laughs> have you ever been in a car accident That's a bit yeah really bad one in Italy as well literally it was weeks after that um, roller coaster <laughs> right that was it I can expand on that one yeah we so I did an um, Italian exchange when we were in college when I did like a pasta course and um, visited the olive oil factory and various other bits out in Italy anyway we, we just driving along and the Italians are mental drivers anyway uh, and we must have been going like 70 I'd had a couple of beers so I was in the back um and I was happy as Larry. I was the only one who came out not injured because I wasn't trying to, <laughs> I wasn't trying to like stop myself from getting injured, if that makes sense. But yeah, we were in this horrific crash. It was like the car was unrecognizable. We were all trapped inside. It set on fire. Oh my um, God. Man managed to bust out. Um, and there's me just trying to get my bag. And they're like, get out of the way. Obviously an Italian screaming at me, get away from the car. But yeah, the, the driver like peeled all his face through the um, yeah. window 
the girl in the back with me had really bad back injuries. The girl in front of me had like a really bad cut on her head. And I came out with nothing because I was, had a few beers and just sort of let my body go like Lucy, a crash Lucy. test of us. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, that was a savage one. It sort of put, yeah. me, put me off. Uh, Teambuilding.com. This is great, but you need to steer away from the PTSD. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Shaking that. that. <laughs> I was in Nam. Yeah. <laughs> Takes me back to the days you could hear the helicopters. That's amazing. Um, well, what's up? What's next for you? What are you working on at the moment? So like I say, I want to work a lot more on the social media side of things for me, really learn how to make Are you going to do it yourself or are you going to get someone yeah, else? To no, I'm go- well, I've got a lot of mates in the industry, so I'm just going to seek advice off them. Yeah. Uh, start small, you know, just start making content and get like some... TikTok-y stuff or...? TikTok-y stuff, small, yeah. small videos. Um, and sort of just document a bit more about what I do, you know. Maybe I'll just do that, like life in the day of a private chef, you know. Because it is interesting. Well, to me it is anyway. I'm sure to other people it is. And it'll probably mean that a lot more chefs will go out of the kitchens and go private because it's such a better way of life. Um, But yeah, so I really want to work on that next year. I want to do something completely different next year. I don't know what, whether that be go to another country and work for a little bit or um, try my hand at something different as well as the private dining. Um, Just want to try and do something different as well next year. What I, do you know one of my dream things? Can you talk about media and what you'd like to get out of You know the, the the road trip thing that they do with Gino DeCampo and... Oh, yeah, like, yeah. That sort of thing, but with like, lo, like, let's create a tour, like from one end of the UK to the other, and just create like, so this date you're at this pub, this date you're at this pub, and we'll just go out on motorbikes. Can you imagine me, you and Liam at, like that? Me, you, Liam, Adam Pennell as well. We'd, different people, need to be different personalities. Me and Liam would look like the two fat ladies, you know, remember them? <laughs> I'd, I'd be in the sidecar and him the just, hairy bikers yeah exactly the well, hairless bikers do. you call me yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean that would be good though that would be amazing just like proper road trip but like you're going from venue to venue to venue you'd set up like five venues and just go out for a whole week oh I'd be sick you know eat some really good food yeah drink, you, drink you get plenty. all the food from local and then you you document where you got those things take from. it in turns to cook I think that's a great idea don't know what I'd call it. All right, let's go. Uh, if we could, if there's any local, you know, content producers out there want to get involved, let's get the biscuit. I mean, I'm the biscuit guy as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah let's do that. I think that's fantastic. Maybe you should, that you should base it off that and you just do best biscuits in... The in, best. Uh, yeah. The best biscuits. That's what we need to incorporate in the biscuit guy. I can't wait for that, you know. It's just, like, this isn't me plugging my show, but... Uh, for years, I did Usuk and Thorskin and these R-rated adult sort of shows. You probably all heard them, and not all of you, but maybe some of you. <laughs> Usuk is still alive, but like speaking to people from all around the world in whatever manner conversation comes out is just so so good for me. So liberating, and I've done it for a while. So that'd be good, you know. Yeah, it's gonna be really good. Um, where can people follow you though if they want to see your content? When so you- it's at Roots and Wings Chef, all one word on Instagram and uh, Facebook as well, and then obviously. My email address is at rootsatwingchef at outlook.co.uk should you want to make a booking. That'd be amazing. And have you got any messages for anybody? Anything that you've not said yet that you'd like to get off your chest or say to anybody? Um, no, not really. No, I think that, no, I'm, I'm good. I'm in a good place at the moment. So This has been really, really good, by the way. I'm, I'm so glad we've got to do this. We'll have to do it again soon. Sometime. Yeah, definitely. I'll get you on the biscuit guy. We can have whiskey and cigars and stuff. Now, that's that's my cup of tea. Yeah. You, me, Liam, cigars and whiskey, that's something. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's a recipe for perfection i think <laughs> well we, i mean i've spent 24 hours podcasting with liam before it's I, yeah i remember him telling me about that that's that sounded really fun it was really interesting we're looking to do it again 2024 missed it this year because I was, I was not very well with stress and stuff yeah so i was like yeah yeah maybe a 24 hour bender <laughs> won't quite help with the mental nah. health side in fact the first year adam Pennell turns up with like with gin and stuff and we were like Okay. Uh, guess we're drinking cocktails. <laughs> it, was, it was rum cocktails. That's was his rum. That's what. It's yeah, he, yeah, he loves the rum. Well, brilliant. Uh, thank you so much for chatting to me, Rob. And thank I, you very much. Guys, have enjoyed this episode. Uh, I'll do a little bit of an outro after this, and uh, I'll catch you guys next time. And there we have it, guys. Episode one in the bag of season alpha. <sighs> How was it for you? It was great for me. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. It was great sitting down and being able to. Just talk, man. That's what I love to do. It's my favorite thing in the world. One-on-one, me and you. Let's find out a bit about your life. Um, it's really, really is good to be back. So thank you for, for being patient and waiting for me. But I'm back now, and there's no stopping me. And if, um, you know, you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, man, I wish I could listen to a bit more Whiteley. Well, 
I've created an another podcast. It's more R-rated and a bit more for adults, but I'd like to introduce the Biscuit Guy to you guys, as in me, the show, yes. Um, so for years, I have been interviewing people from around the world with a team behind me. Um, you know, Tom Bruno and David Rabian and George Lugo, Moose Cooper, all the guys from USERC, the people I've been working with for years, they are they are my brethren. I love them very much, um, but I thought I'd decide to see if I can do it by myself. Um, with all those years of experience behind me so I created the biscuit guy and it just means I can speak to whoever I want whenever I want however I want to do it um and it's uh we've done episode one and went all the way to Shrewsbury to find guest number one and um to speak to Mike Perkins my <laughs> my good friend as well but it's a different setting and that's the whole point okay I love the Shrewsbury biscuit it has its place but I love the biscuit guy too because it also has a place. I can have a glass of whiskey. I can um, swear a little bit, be a bit more adult. It's great. So if you want to, you know, mosey on over to the biscuit guy on Facebook, you find all the links there and we'll also put links on the website too. So, um, you know, follow the biscuit guy if you want a bit, a little bit more whitely in your life, you know. Thank you so much. <laughs> to rob for coming on the show it was really good chatting to you mate uh, and i think the plans we've got for summer i think they, they weren't too too ridiculous i feel like you know they got those fire pits or those those uh barbecue areas at uh, love to stay let's use something like that get some great foodies about us get some cameras get some microphones and just have a have a night of interviews and cooking and music maybe i know that'd be really cool just one for me and you guys you know Anyway, I'll leave you guys to it. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And I'll catch you guys at episode two, where we're going to speak to Annika Reese and, and about her journey. Um, so, yes, guys, thank you for listening. Catch you guys next time. Peace out.